Welcome back to the podcast, guys. It's Anthony, as always. And today, what we're going to be talking about is the mental aspect of um, watchmaking and learning in general, actually. So the feedback from you guys has been ridiculously, ridiculously helpful um, since my last episode about the learning and uh, memorizing repetitions and whatnot. A lot of you guys have uh, came out the woodworks and have messaged me about mental aspect side of things and in general, how we approach uh, learning and whatnot. And what's very, very interesting for me, and this is more of a personal kind of uh, introspective um, response to you guys. So there's no real outline or whatnot. I'm just going off the rails. And I think a lot of you guys enjoy it when I kind of just free flow things instead of being a little bit more rigid. Um, So the concept behind learning and the mental aspect of things is to first understand yourself as an individual. I know it's not easy i know it's uh if i if i were to tell the younger version of myself that i'd just laugh and scuff at myself but um what's very very important is for you to first discover what your learning style is um and the focus on my next book is exactly this okay since my first book came out it was a huge success a lot of people kind of approached me in terms of how to apply watchmaking because the first book what the first book did actually was it cast a wide net uh for salespeople, watch enthusiasts and um just anybody who's generally interested in watchmaking now what that book did for me and for watchmaking was to uh it brought a widespread um uh, spotlight on watchmaking for a brief moment of time. And it brought a lot of people into the industry and it brought a lot of upticks of watchmaking students, which was uh, very, very interesting. And, and I'm, ve- I'm, I'm very glad to be a part of that. Um, what I want to say about things like this, though, was even though we had a huge spike and we uh, a slight spike now as well in watchmaking due to the whole economy and whatnot the the amount of people coming out asking um the applications of watchmaking has been very very interesting because i've touched briefly on that uh, through moments of time on instagram and facebook and in my public outreach for the most part a lot of people resonated with the concept of universally applying watchmaking to every other facets of their lives because personally for me and i'm not i'm not even going towards directly watchmaking uh right now uh even for me growing up in the field the principles of watchmaking is what really got me through a lot of um different subjects and different topics and different industries and just in general different activities in life whether it was extracurricular brazilian jiu-jitsu martial arts uh, whether it's learning a different language whether it's uh, just learning a new skill um, processing information in general all this has helped me because of the organizational and or principles of watchmaking now if you were to take it 
watchmaking has face value of repairing, of creating, of fabricating, of um, solving problems like this, then sometimes you might not see the direct correlation to um, applying it to outside things other than watchmaking. And this kind of really applies to everything else. In, in general, if I had to put a if I had to put things simply and if I had to put things in a simple term, the way you process information, the way you analyze information in any industry, in theory, can be applicable to any other industry. If you modify enough in your head, if you modify the concepts enough, you will figure out a way to apply certain things and skills or tools that you have into other aspects of your life. Uh, where I'm coming from with the watchmaking approach is that watchmaking in general has a great framework, if you're able to break it down into frameworks, to actually handle a lot of other t- industries and topics or skills that you necessarily need. Okay, so let's just, for example, break down a couple ideas of what watchmaking really in theory is. Okay, so let's let's look at it from a perspective of um, a watch repairer. So let's just say you fix watches. The whole concept of fixing a watch is first the client brings to you a watch that clearly doesn't work or is not in an operable condition. Your goal is to look at something that is not working already and figure out why it's not working. So now we have a diagnosis uh, section of watchmaking that we're talking about. So when you have to diagnose a specific issue, you need to figure out first how it works. By figuring out how it works, you realize how come it's not working currently. In the process of discovering why something is not working, you understand that there are neighboring parts, neighboring uh, interact, interacting uh, wheels or cogs or neighboring um, industries, neighboring skill sets, neighboring anything. If you want to put a label on, on it, um, there are things outside of that specific bubble that you're focusing on. So, in, uh, for example, if you're fixing a watch and a wheel is not working, okay, seldom, very, very seldom is the problem where you're looking at. Very, very seldom. Unless it's a very obvious problem. But for the, most, for the majority of the times, if you have a specific issue, let's say there's a problem with the wheel, the problem with the wheel, the problem is that sometimes the issue that occurs is not because of that one specific area. So let's just say you have a damaged wheel. The very first question is, the very first obvious answer is that the wheel is damaged, right? The the second question you need to ask yourself now, after you identified the issue, is why? Why was the wheel damaged? In theory, in theory, the, the client or the watchmaker uh, didn't do that, right? So in theory, in a perfect world, everything's working. It's in a perfect world. It was serviced properly by the last watchmaker. We're assuming all these are true, right? So let's just say that if everything was done correctly, why was the wheel damaged? Now, 
knowing that the wheel is damaged, we need to figure out was it a neighboring part? Was it on the behalf of the client? Was it an impact damage? What caused this issue to occur? So now you're kind of following the line, you're following the crumbs to identify where the real culprit is. And this sort of mental processing where you're constantly asking questions and trying to figure out the root issue, not the symptomatic issue, not the issue that is obviously right in front of us. It's kind of like saying you got a cut and you're saying the problem is the cut. You're not identifying why you got a cut to begin with. Now, once we identify why you got the cut, can we really treat the cut? Because if we treat the cut first without identifying why you got cut, the cut is going to continue to occur. Just like, a wheel, just like the wheel that we're talking about with the watch. If you change out that wheel or you fix that wheel, let's just say, and without identifying the root problem, the problem's going to continue to persist. Just like anything in life, if you fix a, if you just put a band-aid on things, it's going to occur again unless you identify the root problem. And a lot of watchmakers, I don't know, yeah, a lot of watchmakers, some people would say they're not real watchmakers if this is the case, but let's just say for, you know, simplicity's sake, a lot of watchmakers when they repair watches, Either they're too old school in the sense where they don't really, they, they just want to do their work and get out. Um, some watchmakers are in a production basis, so they don't care as long as they get the watch out, they're, they're set. Some watchmakers are in service centers and are being watched by brands. And sometimes they have the ability to just change everything out. So a lot of the times, the the concept behind this is a lot of the times, most watchmakers skip this crucial step of figuring out the root issue. Some of them are too superficial in the sense where they're not looking deeper into the topic, into the reasoning behind certain things. And I think it's this specific, I think it's the way the industry was is, is being geared towards right now uh, with the mass production of watches and a lot of the demand for the brands to keep up with customer service. And you'll see this in a lot of problems where, especially with the economy and they're trying to cut costs, uh, the real mental processing behind watchmaking is still there. But a lot of the watchmakers are, are in the field and in, in, the, in the industry itself for the brands are left very, very short with these abilities to kind of go backwards and or go deeper into introspective work. A lot of these things are kind of saved for, let's just say, the higher ups in watchmaking. Maybe it's the supervisor or manager who's overseeing the watchmakers who has the ability to kind of discover the problems that the uh, other watchmakers can't figure out. Uh, in the field, usually watchmakers are, are governed by a, a manager, let's just say, that is technically... Uh, a little bit more sound than they are and so if they have an issue sometimes they're taught to put it aside and just continue to produce the work and so in situations like that if they come across a problem they can sometimes just hand it over to the manager who figure who, whose time is spent to figure out problems like this so it's not the watchmaker's fault right so it's kind of how the industry is being geared towards 
Now, what I would like to point out, and what I would like to point out is that the industry, the independent watchmakers are kind of the ones who are really, really in charge and really are the forefront of watchmakers who can actually do these type of introspective and deep work, right? So the independent watchmaker is probably the easiest watchmaker to begin these deeper mental processing and and thoughts. So it's not uncommon sometimes to find independent watchmakers who are very, very superior in their skill and mental thought processing. The only problem is that some independent watchmakers go outside of their scope of practice and or they go outside of industry standard uh, operating procedures. So with all that aside, right, because I still have to tie this back into watchmaking. (laughs) So with all that aside, the mental processing in, in watchmaking, now that we've already discovered the root problem, let's just say, is to prevent it from occurring again, right? This is how we prevent comebacks. Now, when we figure out the root problem and we're able to communicate the root problem to the client to let them know what's going on. So let's just say we figured out why the client is getting a cut the entire time, right? We got to let them know like, hey, stop stop doing this so you don't have to get cut often or you don't have to get cut at all anymore. The being able to understand that the current problem is not the real problem generally and finding the root problem that caused this initial issue to begin with is what will prevent us from having these issues occur again so when you're learning anything when you're taking the time to approach anything the concept is to find out what the root issue the root idea the root concept figure out these root these fundamental deeper aspect of things is very, very important to learning and mental processing in anything, right? So in physical therapy, let's just say, in physical therapy, let's just say you have an ankle problem, let's just say. Um, The ankle problem could sometimes not be specifically caused by your ankle, right? Maybe you have a hip alignment issue. Maybe you have a shoulder alignment issue. That stuff is what generally causes the problem up and down the body. If you have a shoulder issue, sometimes people have neck pain. In physical therapy, we're taught that we can actually trace that back down to the ankle, believe it or not. So let's just say, or even the hip, right? Let's just say you have a misalignment in your hip, your upper body on the opposite side. So let's just say you have a problem with your right hip, your left hip, your, your if you have a problem with your right hip, your left shoulder might compensate because of the shift in your hips and because your left shoulder is compensating to keep your body neutral, you start having issues because your body is now a little bit contorted in the sense of posture. So taking these concepts from watchmaking and being able to really universally see it and apply it in other fields is very, very rewarding. Uh, personally to me in the last uh, couple years of my uh, last couple years in general and what I've been really really testing out ever since the release of the first book was universally applying the skills to other things because one of the fundamental questions that were con- that was asked uh, consistently after I released that book was what can we do with watchmaking outside of watchmaking 
what can you, how is watchmaking beneficial to me? Why is watchmaking beneficial to me? Or even for people who don't want to go into the field of watchmaking, but are interested in just tinkering around with watchmaking, it applies for everybody. That, and that's a great thing, that the concepts of watchmaking, even if you tinker with watches on the weekends, you're tinkering with watches right now because of the whole coronavirus and you're, and you're stuck at home. The whole concept is the very fact that you're tinkering around with things causes the introspective work necessary. You're sitting down, you're working on an isolated movement on the desk. You're not really chatting, your mental processing. It's very deep. It's, it's generally quiet work. It requires and forces you to sit down and analyze. If you just look at things briefly, it will not work. If you look at things superficially, you will not get the complete picture. And what I would like to say about watchmaking is that the introspective work of watchmaking is what causes all these necessary questions you need to ask during the learning process of anything. And because you're introspective, because you're continuously asking why, 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 these questions will lead you to a deeper understanding. And each time you have a deeper understanding of any topic or any subject or any technique or any any movement in general, you get a more uh, ingrained cognitive uh, wiring in your brain for that specific subject, right? So all in all, topics like this is what the second draft of the book, is, is the second book that I, I'm drafting currently. Uh, that's currently what it's about at the moment, universally applying the learning principles to as much things as we possibly can, right? Having a framework to learn. Now, here's the thing. What I don't like about what people say on the internet about learning skills and whatnot is how they say you can learn things fast, 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 fast. I don't think learning things fast is necessarily a um, is necessarily an indicator of how well you're processing information because even though the learning steps of watchmaking will shorten your learning curve, the ultimate theory, the ultimate concept, the ultimate overarching theme is for really mastery, right? So even for watchmaking, even for the other subjects that I've gotten into and other uh, areas I've gotten into, I mean, for watchmaking, I don't consider myself a uh, a master watchmaker. I don't consider myself that, I I don't even say that I mastered watchmaking. There are many, many things I still don't know in watchmaking. Just like there are many, many things that I don't know in life, right? There are many, many things. that. What I do know is that I do know a little bit more about watchmaking than other people. And I'm very, very uh, straightforward about that in, in that sense. And some of the people out there who are teaching these learning stuff, these learning hacks, they, they always like to say that they, they always like to boast about how fast they did something, right? And... I can understand the marketing aspect side of things with that. The only thing I don't like is that I don't want to um, I don't want to downplay the necessity of having to thoroughly understand the topic because even though you can pass a subject, you can pass a test, you can pass something, does that really mean that you fully 
grasp the concepts of everything necessary in that. You know, like um, the best way I can equate it is let's just say you pass your watchmaking test and you're now officially a watchmaker. Just because you passed your watchmaking test doesn't mean necessarily that you're a good watchmaker. It just meant that you were able to successfully pass that test. So if you need to listen to that again, just because you passed a certification, just because you passed a subject, just because you passed something does not mean you are a master or efficient or you successfully understand that material completely. What it does mean is that you passed the test. That is all it means, okay? There is still on-the-job training. There is still on-the-job experience. This is why doctors need to do residencies. This is And, and, and then some, because even then, you're still going to come across topics that you don't know yet. In watchmaking, the great thing about watchmaking and what I relate to watchmaking, uh, uh, why I relate to watchmaking so much is that it's such a complete picture of the learning process. So once you figure out the problem and you figure out everything, you become a watchmaker and, you, and you're in the field and you're learning more because you know you don't know everything. There are always things that come through the door that you don't expect. There are always things that come in through the door that baffle you. There are always things, there's always new things coming up that you need to figure out. Right. Just I mean, in in the medical field, when when we were in medical school, we were taught the same way that there are going to be a lot of problems that you come across that you that you you have not been experienced yet, that you have not been exposed to yet. But you have an experience and a framework to work to discover and identify the principles and the underlying issue of, of, of the problem. Right. So you're almost having to do the scientific theory, right? You're almost having to do the, the, the if this, then that breakdown. Um, you're, it's going to be a very, very, um, it's going to be a very, ment- it's, it's going to be a very good mental breakdown of each concept and each alternative aspect. You need to leave no stone unturned for the most part. And what this causes you to do is to realize that you're always learning. You're never, you should never be stagnant, right? You, should, you shouldn't be content with the learning process because there's always going to be new things for you to learn. And uh, this, I know this has been one whole continuous shot uh, in the podcast episode because I generally don't like to edit things in, in this regard because I feel like uh, being straightforward and, and non-edited non-edited works are usually a much more complete picture instead of edited works but having said that i think that with this whole coronavirus thing going on and a lot of you guys are stuck at home that during times like this is not a time for you to sulk or have negative uh, a mental uh, have negative connotations to this whole quarantine or shelter in aspect that are that that's being placed for a lot of countries and restrictions or whatnot but take this time to have a positive outlook and to work on introspective things like this because the learning process is continuous if you find yourself if you find yourself talking to yourself saying that oh i'm stuck at home i have nothing to do then you're already kind of starting off your day on the on the wrong foot 
Now, if you start your day with saying, all right, well, I'm going to try to figure out how I can apply this better. I'm going to figure out how I can understand this a little bit better because there's always things that there are always things that we need to improve on. There are always things that we know we need to be working on and there are always things that we put off. Right. So when you're home, when you're home these next several days or weeks or whatnot, because of the whole coronavirus thing and spend this time to really, really dive into watchmaking. If you're taking the watchmaking courses, uh, spend this time to learn another subject, spend this time to dive deeper into your own craft, spend this time to do introspective work and figure out how you can apply this to other things. That's essentially it. The whole concept of this is this is nothing new. There's nothing crazy. It's just being able to break down the information to you guys, uh, and make it a little bit more simple without making it simpler, right? So the whole concept, again, for you guys is to work introspectively, make good use of your time, see and try to understand your craft, see and try to make your craft applicable to everything else. And you'll find that there are many things that are applicable to outside and other industries and whatnot. So with having said that, I think this is where I bid you guys farewell today. Uh, I will be producing more podcast episodes as the days goes on, simply because a lot of you guys are requesting more and more, um, especially with the whole coronavirus and having everyone having to stay in. And I feel like this is nothing but helpful uh, and just general words of encouragement, right? So if you found that the, that these episodes are helpful to you, Please leave a review. Uh, please write something on iTunes or your podcast service provider or whatnot. It just helps with the rankings and just helps me out. But if not, that's cool too. You know, I hope you guys have a great day. Either way, live your best life, right? <laughs> don't be, uh, don't panic and um, enjoy the rest of your day, guys. Take care.